0: You're listening to The Preaching Podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Psalm 34 in your Bibles, we're continuing our series on these Psalms, and um it's amazing how this works. I was about all the way done with the list of requests, just about, and uh, I went to lunch a week or so ago with my mom, and uh, mom said, you know, Jeremy, she said, I don't think you've done this particular psalm yet, and she said, this was, uh, uh, Dad and I, this was our favorite psalm, and this was our the psalm that we claimed in our, our home and in our marriage, and I, I knew that. Um, I had heard them talk about it, but uh, psalm... 34 and verse number three was the verse my mom was referring to. It says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. That's a great verse for a marriage, is it not? It's a great verse for a family. It'd be a good verse for you in your your home and your devotions to say, hey, let's make this our mission as a family. Let us together, let's magnify the Lord. Uh, Let's exalt his name. Let's let's do all we can to to, to praise and to honor the Lord Jesus in our home. And uh, that would be a great, great uh, uh, verse to put up on your wall or put up on the refrigerator just to remind yourselves of that. But Psalm 34 is also, Miss Nola Newell had requested this a while back and my mom. And so we're working through this series and I, I love this psalm. It's a great psalm. It says in Psalm 34, Brother Dan, I was going to have you do scripture reading. I forgot all about it. No wonder you were waiting up here. I thought you were going to sing. Um, Psalm 34, I'm sorry. I'm Miss Cheryl, you're not the only one tonight. She forgot about playing for that last song. I forgot about the scripture reading. I almost, I almost had the ushers pass the offering a second time tonight. And that would have been interesting to see if we could have got any of you, you know, give twice. But anyway, we didn't do that. Psalm 34, verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Lord, would you help us these next few moments tonight? As we study your word, Lord, I I do not know the needs. I know some of the needs, but Lord, I don't even know a fraction of the needs in this room. Lord, I don't know the burdens that these folks carry. I know some, but I don't know all. Uh, Lord, I don't have all the answers. I certainly, uh, Lord, do not claim to. But Lord, I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that your word has the answer to every question and every problem that we will face in life. And I pray tonight, Lord, that you'd give us what we need for tonight, for tomorrow, for the days ahead, for the situations we'll face, for the phone calls we'll receive, for the trials we'll go through, for the bad news we might get, Lord, for the good news we'll get. I pray that we would uh, take the Word of God and apply it to every single area and aspect of our life, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I'd like for you to notice in this psalm, I'll give you just a very simple outline. Number one, I see, and it's not necessarily in the first few verses, but throughout the psalm, I see that David is talking a lot about his fears. And, you know, I'm glad that the Bible is a, it's a tell-all book. You know, isn't that so true? Um, You think about Peter. Peter denied the Lord three times, and you know what? The Bible records it, doesn't it? Uh, People failed, uh, uh, fell and failed like David committed Adultery with Bathsheba, and he tried to cover it up, and the Bible records it. The Bible's a tell-all book, and I'm glad it's not just uh, the, the, the rosy and the peachy, and it's not just the, uh, the icing on the cake. I'm glad that the Bible is a book that shows us that people in the Bible had struggles just like we have. And if you're here today and you say, I got problems, and I'll say, join the crowd. Victory Baptist Church, we've got a church filled with people who have problems. And you read the pages of Scripture, these people experience troubles and trials and difficulty, and David talks about his fears. Notice verse 4. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from what? All my fears. David said, I got a lot of them. And God delivered me from all my fears. Notice verse number 6. David said, this poor man cried. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of what? All his troubles. Notice verse number 17, the righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of, what's the word? All their troubles, hallelujah for that. Verse number 19, many are the afflictions, many are the burdens of the wicked. Is that what it says? No. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. You live for God, you do what's right, you stay true to God, and you're still gonna have some afflictions. You're still gonna have some trials. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Aren't you glad for that? I'm glad that although we have fears, I'm glad that God is able to give us victory in all those fears and from all the fears and the struggles that we have. We all have fears. We all have struggles. I don't want you to say it out loud. I'm not going to ask you to turn to the person next to you and start listing your fears. But if I were to ask you and you were to be honest, I wonder what are your fears? What are your fears this week? Maybe there's some fears about some some situations at work or maybe some situa- situations with finances or maybe some relationship issues that you're facing or maybe it's health issues. Uh, I mentioned tonight about Brother uh, Richard uh, Brown, and I'll tell you, it's many weeks. I'll talk to people about health things, and they'll say, uh, we, I just like to keep it unspoken for now. We don't know about all the problems. We don't know about all the burdens. We don't know about all that. But what are the, what are the fears that you would have? Just think about that. Just think about what your fears are. You say, I don't have any fears. You're in denial. You're not being honest with yourself. You're not being honest with God. We all have fears, but what are your fears? Notice verse number 18. David says this, the Lord is nigh. That word nigh, it simply means he is near. God is nigh unto them that are of a broken Heart. Wow. Notice what it goes on to say. And he saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. That word contrite, it literally means to be crushed. It has the idea of you have been destroyed. You are trying to pick up the pieces and you're trying to put things back together. That's your life. That's your spirit. It's contrite. I've got good news for you. God is near the brokenhearted. God is near those who are contrite. God has not forgotten you. He has not forsaken. God is near. I'm thankful that God gives us victory over our fears. Number two, I want you to see in this psalm our focus. Our focus should not be on our fears. And that's where many Christians, they fall into discouragement. Many Christians fall into depression is because they allow their fears to take over their life. Can I tell you, it is possible for you to become physically ill just from worry. Just If you worry about something long enough and you can't sleep and you can't have peace and you can't focus, you can become physically ill. You can damage relationships. You can lose job. You can lose income. You can have a whole heap of problems if you focus only on your fears. David talks about his fears and he's, he had fears, but that wasn't his focus. Notice his focus, verse number one. David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. He said, you know what I'm going to talk about? I'm going to talk about how good God is. I'm going to talk about the blessings. I'm going to talk about the faithfulness of God. I'm going to talk about the mercy of God. I'm going to praise him continually. My soul shall make her boast. David said, my pride, my glory, the thing I'm excited about is my boast is in the Lord. Hallelujah for that. Our focus ought to be blessing the Lord, praising the Lord at all times. You can tell the focus of a person by what they're always talking about. You can tell what someone's focused on, you just listen to their conversation. And by the way, some in this room, and this is not a bad thing, this shouldn't be your main focus, but there's some in this room, you have had a very difficult college basketball season. That's as nicely as I know how to put it, okay? And if that's your focus, I hate to say it, but I don't think March Madness is going to be much better for you either. Okay, but because of what you talk about, we can tell your focus. Maybe for some in this room, uh, brother, uh, brother uh, Steve, and somebody else, they were talking about doing some kind of a, a, a fellowship or some kind of food, and I just told brother Steve, I said, brother Steve, I said, if there's food involved, count me in. I don't need to hear any more details. I don't need to pray about it. Just count me in. I like to eat. Most Baptists do, you know. Uh, we like to eat. I enjoy, uh, probably too much, but I enjoy drinking coffee. Now, I, I'm telling you, I, it, it is an addiction. I mean, it's, it, man, for you, maybe it's not. But for me, I mean, it's every day I drink coffee. And uh, praise God for the Keurig, you know. And, uh, I, I, but I, I like, I enjoy it. Um, I'll, I'll tell Brother Nathan throughout the day, I'll say it's coffee time, you know, whatever. And you say, how do you know? I just know. You say, when is it not coffee time? I haven't found that, I haven't figured that out yet. But you know, that's a focus. And maybe for you, maybe your focus is, is, is fishing. Maybe you like hunting. Maybe you like shopping. Maybe you like uh, uh, some other hobby or some other uh, event or, or, or some other thing. There's nothing wrong with that, but we can tell a lot about our focus by what we talk about. I hope we talk a lot about the Lord. I hope it's very often and very obvious that we're thankful for God's goodness and we're, we're blessing the Lord and His praise is continually in our mouth. Brother Dan was talking about it this morning. I forget it, 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 at what point in the lesson, but he was talking about with Facebook. He said, you know, you don't have to, every, every post be spiritual and all that, but hey, if you love the Lord and if you're, if you're, you're thankful for what God's done, I mean, it, it shouldn't be a secret, right? People ought to know that you're a Christian. People ought to know that we love the Lord and that God has been so good to us. The word magnify is in verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. David says, I want to magnify. That word means to make great or make important. I want to exalt and lift up God. I want people to see Jesus lifted high because of my life. But notice with me in verse number 3, it says, oh, magnify the Lord with me with me and let us exalt his name together you know what's amazing is that you need to decide and i need to decide that we're going to serve the lord no matter what anybody else does that that just needs to be your decision like david said i will bless the lord at all times whether you do it or not whether you're involved or not i'm going to bless the lord but here ought to be our goal our goal ought to be let's do it together let's do it as a family Let's do it as a church. Let's do it as a group. Let's get serious together about magnifying the Lord. There's this uh, this principle, it's the, the, the principle, it's the idea, it's called synergy. And synergy, what that is is, and here's the dictionary definition, it is the interaction or cooperation of two or more agents to produce a combined effect that is greater than the sum of their separate effects. What that means is if you had a a work horse or you had a work mule, that horse by itself and some horses, let's just take this particular horse for instance, it can pull 8,000 pounds of weight. That's pretty strong for a horse. And so they got a second horse of equal strength or, you know, similar strength. And you would say one horse can pull 8,000 pounds. So two horses pulling together can pull 16,000, we would think. But this principle of synergy kicks in. And those two horses pulling together, they don't just pull 16,000, they can pull twenty-four thousand pounds of weight and load, even though there's two, you say, no, you mean three? No, two. It's synergy, it's teamwork. I was reading this week about how that these, these uh, teams of climbers have climbed Mount Everest. And it's interesting because they say it takes hundreds of people on the team because so much of the supplies and so much of the food and so much of the equipment has to be literally carried up the mountain to get to different staging points where where people cannot stay and people cannot survive. And so when someone stands on top of Mount Everest and they say, wow, you know, Sir Edmund Hillary climbed Mount Everest. Well, yeah, he did, but he didn't do it by himself. He took a team. He said, well, pastor, why why are you talking about this tonight? What's the point of this tonight? Because as a church, Can I tell you, we can accomplish a whole lot more together as a team than we can as individuals. I am one man. I am the pastor, and I am thankful for the privilege and the honor that God has called me and that the church voted for me to come and be the pastor and for my family to be here. I am so thankful. But I want to tell you, pastor can't do it by himself. Pastor cannot build a church by himself. It takes the Lord, and it takes a group of people who are committed to working together and praying together and getting along, encouraging and serving and being faithful. You say, I'm just one member. It won't, what if everybody took that attitude? You know what we'd find very quickly? We wouldn't see people saved, and we wouldn't see uh, uh, lives change like what we could see if we would work together. And when we can serve God together, what a difference it makes. That ought to be our focus. In basketball, I remember so many years ago, I was in elementary, and I remember we were playing against a, uh, another team in our conference that we played in the boys' club there in Rockford, Illinois, and there was a team, they had an all-star. I mean, this guy was incredible, and, you know, as a sixth grader, you're thinking, wow, you know, this guy's scoring like 30-some points in a game. Most elementary teams weren't scoring 30 points a game, and this guy was doing that by himself. And I remember we were getting ready to play against this team, and one of our coaches said this. Said, listen, said, don't worry about it. Said, if you'll play together as a team. Said, a good team's always gonna be able to beat a good individual. And you know teamwork is so important. That's why every ministry, every member, every person is important because together, here's the acrostic for team, together everyone accomplishes more and we must work together. David said, let's magnify the Lord together. Let's get, let's get serious about exalting his name together. That ought to be our focus, to bless the Lord and to magnify the Lord and to seek the Lord. But then notice verse number 11. David says, come ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. That's a wonderful thing to teach to somebody else. I'm thankful when uh, you share recipes. I think that's wonderful, especially if it's for like a church potluck or church fellowship. You know, um, Brother uh, ask you, he's got some pretty awesome recipes. Amen for that. Um, we've got uh, brother uh, Brother Walter, your wife's got some pretty incredible recipes. and there's others. I don't mean to leave anybody out, but I'm thankful when we share recipes. I'm thankful when we share tips and share you know where to catch the most fish or where to get the best deer or whatever. That's wonderful. But wouldn't it be great in our church if we looked for somebody and we said, I want to teach that person how to walk with God. I want to teach that person how to love God. I want to show that person. I want to show that young person. I want to show that child or that grandchild. I want to show them what it means to walk with God. And we pass our Christianity on to the next generation. Number one, our fears. Number two, our focus. David said in verse four, I sought the Lord. That ought to be our focus to seek after God. Verse number five, uh, David said, they looked unto him and were lightened. That word light means they were radiant. When people saw God, when people got their eyes on him, it changed their countenance. Well, I'm so convicted sometimes. Uh, I'll, I'll see myself in a picture, you know, like a candid shot, or I'll see myself, uh, you know, in the year-end videos or whatever, and I'm thinking, I wasn't smiling. And I know, I know you can't smile 24 seven. Some of you, some of you do, you know, but most of us don't, but I want my face. I want my countenance to show forth the joy of the Lord. When I come to church, I don't want to come to church a grump. When somebody comes, say, hey, how you doing today? I don't want to be, you really want to know? It's been an awful week. I mean, you know what I want to do? I want to be positive. I want to show the joy of the Lord. And when we get our eyes on Jesus, it will affect our countenance. Their their face was lightened. It was radiant when they saw Jesus. Their faces were not ashamed. Their faces, uh, there was not embarrassment or disappointment. There was joy and gladness when they saw Jesus. Number one, our fears. Number two, our focus. But number three, our faith. David says in verse four, notice how these verses go together. Verse four, I sought the Lord and he heard me. And he delivered me well that's a good thing to do you seek the lord he hears you and he delivers you notice verse number six this poor man cried the lord heard him and saved him notice verse number 17 the righteous cry and the lord heareth and delivereth now here's what's so wonderful david says i just believe that god's going to deliver I just believe that God is able to save me and rescue me. I believe that God is able to help me no matter what I'm going through. Now, you don't call somebody unless you believe they can help you. Like if there were an emergency, if, uh, if again, God forbid, but if, uh, if there was a, 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 a fire or something in our home and I picked up the phone, I'm not calling Food Lions. Now, I thank the Lord for Food Line, but I'm not calling Food Line an emergency when I got a fire in my house. I'm not calling Speedway. I'll thank the Lord for Speedway, you know, and they've got gas and they got slushies and coffee and snacks and all that. But I ain't calling Speedway if I've got a fire in my house. You know who I'm calling? I'm calling 911. You know why? Because I believe that they can help. I have faith, I have confidence that they will come. And can I tell you, we have used that, not for a fire, but we have used that, and guess what? They came, and it was the middle of the night, and it was quick, and they were there. And you know, when that happened before, we think, you know what? If they could do it in the past, they could do it again. I got news for you. When you're in trouble, and you cry out to God, guess what? He hears you. And he not only hears you, but he delivers you. He comes through. And he's better than 911. And he's better than a friend. He's better than a family member. There's somebody you maybe can't get on the phone or you can't get in touch or they don't come to the door. But God hears and he answers. And David said, I have faith. I have faith that God is going to come through. Notice verse number seven. The angel of the Lord encampeth. You say, what does that word mean? Exactly what it sounds like. It means to pitch a tent. The angel of the Lord comes and he pitches his tent right next to you. And he's not just right next to you, all around you. You say, well, where is he? Well, he's here and 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 he's he's got you covered. He's got you surrounded in a good way. He is protecting you. He is encamping round about them that fear him, and he delivers them, hallelujah. I'm glad God's not far away. He's near, he's around you. He's ready to protect you. He's ready to care for you. David said, my faith, my trust, verse number eight, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, blessed or happy is the man that trusteth in him. I tell you, it's a happy day when you learn to trust God. It's a wonderful day when you stop worrying about everything and trying to fix it yourself. And you just say, Lord, I can't do it on my own. God, I I can't fix this. God, I can't overcome this on my own. I'm trusting you to deliver me. David said, oh, taste and see. You'll, You'll taste it. You'll see it. You'll experience it for yourself. That God is able to come through when you have faith in Him. Notice number four: our fulfillment. Our fulfillment. Verse number twelve. The Bible says, "What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good?" Well, uh, that's all of us, I think. I think we'd all like to enjoy life. I think we'd all like to uh, have a, a good good life and experience good days and. David says, you want to know how to do that? And I'm sure everybody's standing around saying, yeah, we'd love to know. Would you please tell us? And David tells us in verse number 13 down to verse 16, these verses are quoted in 1 Peter chapter 3, almost word for word. But it says, if you want to have fulfillment, if you want to have a good life, verse 13, here's what it says. Guard your words. You know how people get themselves in trouble? with this thing right here. We were talking in children's choir tonight. I was showing the children the picture of a a little frog in Central and South America. It's called the poison dart frog. (laughs) You know why it's called that? Because that thing is poisonous. They've actually, they would take the the, the poison and put it on the tips of arrows and darts, literally to poison and to kill uh, with those darts and those arrows. A poison dart frog has enough poison in it. One, One little frog. To kill 10 grown men with the poison. You know what else is powerful? Your tongue, your mouth, your words. There's the power of life and death in your tongue. And David said, You want to enjoy life? Number one, you better guard your words. Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile, from speaking deceit. Guard your words. Number two, David says, You better guard your way. Verse number 14, depart from, what's the word? evil. Stay away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Number two, guard your way. Number three, guard your will. What you want, what you desire, it ought to be to seek peace and to, to follow after peace and not to try to uh, uh, cause problems and make issues of everything, but, but seek after that which is good and peaceful and right. And then number four, guard your walk with God. Notice what David says in verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry, and the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. You know how we love life and enjoy life? When we guard our walk with God, and we guard our relationship with God, and we realize that God sees, and God hears, and and the face of the Lord, is God, uh, is he smiling, or is he frowning? Is he happy, or is he sad when he sees the way that we live? Boy, I want God to smile on me, don't you? I want to please Him. And David says, if you're going to have fulfillment, you better guard those things. And then lastly, number five, I see our future. Our future. What is the future of the Christian? What is the the future of someone who focuses on on blessing God and the one who has faith in God? What is the future? What What is to come for that person? It says in verse number seven, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth. That word deliver means to rescue. Verse eight, it says, you wanna know what your future is? You're gonna find out that God is good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, it's, it's, it's sad because if someone does not know, we sang that song, God is so good. If you don't know that God is good, it's because you've never experienced it and you could experience it. And you could experience the blessings, and you could experience the joy, and you, you have the opportunity to experience the goodness of God. But deliverance and rescue, verse number 9, O oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want, there is no lack to them that fear him. God's going to take care of you. God's going to meet your needs. Verse 10, the young lions do lack. So, what does that mean? The the young lion, that is a a, a beast that is young and strong and powerful and mighty. And even that beast at times is going to lack. That beast at times is going to go without. But God says the young lions do lack and suffer hunger. But they that seek the Lord shall not want or shall not lack any good thing. That's our future, that God will take care of you. Aren't you glad that Jesus never fails? Hallelujah for that. Verse 20, he keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. God takes care of all of you, every single bone in your body. I'm not saying you'll never have an injury, but I'm saying this, that God is going to take care of you and he will protect you. Verse 21, evil shall slay the wicked and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. That word desolate, it means condemned. But notice verse 22. You want to know what your future is as a child of God? It says in verse 22, the Lord redeemeth. That word means to ransom. It means to purchase. It means to rescue or deliver. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. That word desolate is used for the wicked, In verse number 21, then that word desolate is used as something that will not happen to the righteous. Those are the same words. Desolate, they both mean to be condemned. And you know what your future is as a child of God? Romans chapter eight, verse number one, the Bible says, there is now therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ. You know what that means? You're saved forever. You are secure in Christ. There is no condemnation. There is no, uh, there is no hell. There is no eternal punishment for you as a child of God. You are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. What a bright future we have as God's children. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Cobernack.